Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Let's start with the Nets. Brooklyn Nets GM, Sean Marks, issued the following statement yesterday. Let me read this to you, and I quote, Steve Nash and I. Let me stop right there. Isn't that interesting that that's how that statement starts? Steve Nash and I, together with Joe Sy and Clara Wusai. Let me stop right there again. Notice they're getting top billing over the owners. Steve Nash and I, together with Joe and Clara Wu, met with Kevin Durant and Rich Kleiman in Los Angeles yesterday. We have agreed to move forward with our partnership. We are focusing on basketball with one collective goal in mind, build a lasting franchise to bring a championship to Brooklyn. End quote. Jim Rome is issuing a statement today. Statement reads in full. Hell yes. Hell yes. I love this. I love it. I love this. I love it. I love everything about it. I love that they're running it back. And even more importantly, I love the wording of the statement, which includes this gem of a line. And I quote, we have agreed to move forward with our partnership. That's an incredible line. You can put, quote, move forward with our partnership, end quote, right up there with conscious uncoupling in terms of amazing phrases that mean next to nothing at all. These two sides are moving forward with their partnership because they could not consciously uncouple. They tried. And even better, I mean, I, I love everything about this. Even better is that they slapped Durant's logo on the statement next to the Nets logo. Like that was just going to make everything okay. Going back to the analogy that I made yesterday, but I'll reset right now. Kind of like, yeah, you see, kids, mommy and daddy do still love each other. Our logos are right next to each other. I mean, yes, we hate each other's guts. No, we haven't slept in the same bed for months. Yes, we take separate vacations. Yes, daddy has a side piece and mommy's getting it on with her personal trainer. But we love each other very much, and we can't wait to see what the future holds. <laughs> yeah, that or mommy is going to fire daddy's ass, get half the assets, and full custody of you little ingrates. You know, sort of like Durant tried to fire the coach and the GM. And when ownership said no, he tried to force his way out in the worst power play ever attempted in the history of the league only to come running back tail between his legs and act like this is what he wanted all along oh and to slap his boardroom logo on the announcement this is all so hilarious and such an unbelievably bad look for Durant worst power play attempt ever and this guy having to walk it all back is one of the worst looks ever and calling it, quote, a partnership and photoshopping his logo on the statement is both one of the dumbest 
and most hilarious things I've seen since I started in this business more than three decades ago. Yes, that dumb. Yes, that hilarious. Especially when the statement was put out by one of the two guys that Durant tried to fire. That makes it even dumber and even more hilarious. I got to be honest. I'm not sure that I've ever liked KD more than I do in this given moment. Like, I've never respected him less after this failed coup, but I've never liked him more than I like him right now, if that makes sense. And that's not to say that I don't respect the guy because he is still one of the best in the world and one of the best to ever do it, but this is such a bad look, and it is the worst attempt at a power play I've ever seen. I mean, what's next? Dropping that logo on the front of his jersey? Changing the name of the Nets to the boardroom? Oh, so close. Nice try, KD. Almost worked. Oh, so close. Yeah, because that was never going to work. I hope you learned your lesson. Sometimes you have the hammer. Sometimes you don't. You thought you had it. You were wrong. Of course, teams were not going to give the Nets anywhere near what they needed to move you. Yes, you still have something in the tank. However, you're 34, you're banged up, you're prickly as hell, and you're never, ever happy. Seriously, KD, when was the last time you were happy? Ever? You pretty much got exactly what you wanted in Brooklyn. The contract, the money, a say in personnel. And yet you were still miserable enough to demand a trade with four years left on your deal. Seriously, dude, when were you last happy? Ever? Maybe that first year in OKC? Maybe at UT? Maybe when you were nine? I mean, when were you ever happy? Of course you're not going anywhere. There was no way that they were going to get what they needed to move you. And no way you were going to go all Kyrie with it and just not show up for work. What I'm saying is this was the biggest waste of time ever. And one of the biggest bleep shows ever. And your rep just took another big hit. And best of all, and best of all, and let's be very clear about this, in no way is this over. Y'all showing up with this hilarious statement with your matching logos saying that you're going to move on with this partnership. Do not act like this is over. Do not act like you fixed this. There's no way that they're not all holding a ticking time bomb that's going to blow off a few of their digits and half their face when it does go off. Because it will. And probably sooner than later. And I can't wait for that to happen. Oh, and by the way, what about that part-timer? What about Kyrie? How pissed do you think that Kyrie is that his logo didn't get any real estate on that laughable and embarrassing statement yesterday? I mean, after all, Kyrie had already promoted himself to part owner after the Nets were swept in the first round. Remember this? When I say I'm, I'm here with Kev, I think that it really entails us, you know, managing this franchise together alongside Joe and, and Sean. Unbelievable. One thing to thank it, another to say it for the record. I'm telling you, I love absolutely everything about this. I cannot wait for the start of the Nets training camp and all 82 games of this bleep show. I am here for all of it. All of it. 
And by the way, where does it leave Steve Nash? Up Bleeps Creek without a bleeping paddle. Don't act like Nash somehow got over. Don't act like Nash somehow gets a dub for this. Don't act like this is a win for Nash. Because you know KD and Kyrie still can't stand this guy. You know they still don't respect this guy. You know they still don't want to play for this guy. So knowing all that, and Nash does, because Nash is no dummy. Knowing all that, my question is, why the hell would Nash want to coach these dudes? Why the hell would Nash want to be there? Oh, and Ben Simmons too. Go ahead and throw that Simmons-Molotov cocktail into the mix. If, in fact, he actually does show up and play. Nash can't fix this. Better yet, why the hell would he even try? Because clearly, it's not a question of if this guy gets fired, but when. So why not get out in front of it and do the smart thing, Steve-O? Quit. Yeah, I know. If you quit, you don't get your money. But you don't need the money. And you sure as hell don't need that headache. The headache of these guys undermining you and disrespecting you on the daily. They don't give a damn about you or what you accomplished as a player or anything you have to say right now as a head coach. Steve, I'm here to help. I know you're not asking my advice, but maybe you should. You know what you should do? You should take your soccer ball and go home and kick it around all day long. Then you can get up and play soccer all day. It is the beautiful game. Because right now, you're currently presiding over the biggest bleep show ever. You could play the beautiful game, or you can preside over the beautiful bleep show. What are you going to do? I mean, I don't care what any of them are saying. This is not over. But it will be at some point. And when it does end, it's going to end really badly for Steve. Nash, get out while the getting is good. Never forget, the part-timer is on record as saying they don't even need a coach. That KD or Kyrie could coach that team themselves. Great. I mean, do it. I'd love to see it. I got to admit, I'll own this. You know me, I'm all about responsibility, accountability, ownership. I'll own this. I'll admit and own that I've actually done a 180 on this story. I've gone from thinking that it was the lamest thing ever to one of the best things ever. I used to hear and ask, when is this bull bleep going to end? Now I'm terrified that it might end. Oh, bam. I love that sound so much. It actually makes me smile. You know why? Because that is the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Let me talk to you again about Shopify and why I like it so much. It gives entrepreneurs the resources that were once reserved for big business. That way, upstarts, startups, and established businesses alike can sell everywhere. They can synchronize online and in-person sales and effortlessly stay informed. It can do all that for you. Scaling your business is a journey of endless possibility. I know this. I know where we started with this podcast, and I know where it is right now, and I know how much bigger it's going to get. Shopify is helping me with all of that. And I love how they have the tools and resources that make it easy for any business to succeed from down the street to around the globe. 
Shopify powers over millions of businesses, businesses like mine and just like yours, from first sale to full scale. You can reach customers online and across social networks with an ever-growing suite of channel integrations and apps, including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and more, which of course is exactly where you want to be. More than a store, Shopify grows with you. This is possibility powered by Shopify. Here's what you need to do. Go to shopify.com slash Rome, all lowercase, and get a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Once again, go to shopify.com slash R-O-M-E right now, shopify.com slash Rome. Kalani Sitake is my guest. Kalani, it's good to have you back. How are you? Thanks for having me on, Jim. Good to hear from you again. Always good to hear from you, Coach. In fact, on a personal note, before we talk football, I want to ask you, you and your wife welcomed a baby girl last month. How is Sylvia doing? And as the father of three children who are 12 and older, what's it like being a, quote, new old daddy these days? Oh, I'm loving it. I mean, I mean, I, I forgot how much I, I enjoyed holding a, 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 a newborn in my arms, and, and it just... You know, I, I am definitely old, but uh, I think it, the thing that helps it the most is that I have uh, my daughters, Sky and Sadie, are 18 and 15, and my son, KK, is 12. So uh, we have a lot of built-in babysitters for to help me and my wife, Timberly. And uh, but it just felt like this this uh, young this uh, this this newborn we needed in our life just seemed like uh, she completes what we needed, and uh, so it's nice to have Sylvia with us. And uh, the great timing of having our baby before the football season it works out for a head football coach. So we're we're more than just just so so happy and just this the the home is is really it's a fun place to be and and I don't mind getting a little bit less sleep uh, when we have such a lovely baby so I appreciate you mentioning her and our family thank uh, you good for you that's great that's so good to hear Kalani Sataki joining us all right so shifting to football and listen for whatever it's worth and since it's coming from me it's probably worthless but I really really like your team this year you had your final scrimmage yesterday how did that go and then how does the focus change now that you're getting closer to kickoff yeah, the focus now is on our opponent. I think uh, everybody's going through the same thing of, of just the, the grind of fall camp and, and playing against each other. And, and um, you know, we, we, we were able to work through some scrimmage and, and some uh, game-type situations. And, and just I think we enhanced our, our football IQ as a team through, during fall camp. And, and uh, when you go through the grueling times together, it, it, it does something for your team chemistry. And, and we're returning a bunch of production and a bunch of um, players uh, that have t- uh, game experience that – that uh, and then we're bringing in a bunch of new talent too. So um, right now, I, I love seeing the leadership from our team. I love seeing the focus on them. But they're they're really excited to make the next step, which is close fall camp yesterday, and let's move on to our opponent that we're going to see in a, in a week and a half. And and uh, you know we're really excited to getting out there to, to Tampa and, and and playing against South Florida. I know I know uh, Jeff Scott and his his staff will be ready for us. And uh, everybody's undefeated right now. So uh, this we're going to get the best, uh, hopefully the best look from everyone. And Hopefully BYU will bring our, our our best look and we'll perform at our best next next Saturday. BYU head coach Kalani Sataki, my guest once again. That's actually one of the reasons why I like you guys so much. As you point out, you're returning a lot of veteran leadership. You've got 19 starters back from last year's team, but even with all that experience, your message to the team has been, the question is, what are we going to do differently to get different results or how can we make sure we get better? End of quote. I think it's a really interesting question. How have you gone about answering that? Well, it's getting uncomfortable, you know, and, and the growth happens when there's adversity and sometimes you have to build it within your team and, and, and uh, 
you know, this camp, because we have a, a lot of uh, returning production and a lot of veterans coming back, uh, I think it was important that we give them a different type of camp experience. And I mean, one example is that we had a, a, a pretty tough and, 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 and physical uh, scrimmage on Saturday and then to turn around and do it again on a Tuesday and have no complaints from the players. Um, that, that's, that's because we have great leadership and, and there's a narrative that the, they're controlling in the locker room. The leaders are controlling the, the, the mindset of the team. And I like it. I think it's a tough mindset, a positive mindset, and I'm enjoying it. And, and if, if I want leaders, leaders to step up, then I need to give them opportunities to lead. And sometimes uh, the best leaders really show up when, when adversity hits and things get really tough. And I, I like how they've answered the challenges that we've given to them. I like the, the feel of the team right now. Let's see if, if we can put this thing together and get ready in another week and a half and, and, and uh, you know, show up in game one performing at our best. I think if we can do that, we, we have a good chance. And then you know, we're getting to a new element being in, in, in South Florida, but there's, you know, some heat and humidity, but there's definitely a lot more air over there for us to breathe, too. So looking forward to the, to the matchup. So, Klein, to that point, I mean, ultimately, you're the CEO. Are you always going to be the guy who leads from the front and the buck's going to stop with you? Or how much of this is about wanting to have a players-led program? Well, I think it's really important for the for the players to feel like they have ownership in this, and 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 I think the best motivation is is intrinsic when the players are are are, are the ones that are, hey we have to do this, and and they're actually pushing uh, the the comfort level a little bit, meaning that they're they're trying to find ways to get better, and they're trying to find ways to make the newcomers on our team uh, improve and, and and to do it quickly. Um, the the one thing that I can tell you that has been really helpful for me is that I've been able to retain my staff, my coaching staff, my support staff. We've been able to add to it and so i wish i could say this is a one-man job but man i uh, all these guys make me look good and 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 i have a, a wonderful coaching staff that knows how to what what our culture is and, our, and and we've defined our culture to them they live and breathe it and and, and there's a that's a reason why they want to be here and stay here and they and a big big part of why we're able to retain so many of our coaches and our staff and then we've added more to it and to help complement it I, I think uh, we have a good thing going right now and 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 sometimes it's good for me to just get out of the way a little bit you know what I mean Jim and I think if you want to see uh, what type of leadership you have on your team and what type of culture sometimes it's good for the head coach to remove himself and 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 let the other guys step up and lead and um, you know I, I've been really I've had opportunities to do that as a coach because I have a wonderful staff and I have a wonderful uh, group of young men in that locker room yeah i've got a quick question for you do you feel like your antiperspirant keeps you dry all day long dove men plus care dry spray has an instantly drying antiperspirant formula that can help give you a cleaner feel and offers 48 hours sweat and odor protection 48 hours like i don't even know that was possible 48 hours Dove Men Dry Spray feels light and clean on your skin, and it's quick and easy to use. I mean, the product is pretty amazing. All of that, and especially, especially good when you're on the go. And Dove Men Dry Spray continues. And Dove Men Dry Spray contains Dove's unique one-quarter moisturizing cream that helps to protect your skin. And it goes without saying, you better be moisturizing. It leaves your skin feeling comfortable, and it helps to protect your skin. And did I say you had best be moisturizing? I do. You should. Try Dove Men Dry Spray. Goes on dry. Clean feel all day. 
Kalani Sataki joining us. You know, I'm glad you mentioned the staff. I was going to ask you about that because you did add support staff, but you had somebody come or so much of it come back as well. And you've got so much of that leadership coming back from a player's standpoint. So when you take all of that together, what is the ceiling for the program this year? For instance, I understand you'll take this one day at a time, one game at a time, but are you thinking maybe New Year's Six Bowl? Or are you thinking even bigger than that? Well, I think the, the natural uh, uh, tendency for people to do, especially when you're talking about Big 12 and and, and and being invited to the conference next year, that was all great during the off season and during the summer. When we got to fall camp, the focus has been on just 2022, and and then the focus has been on on what we can do to give our seniors and our outgoing players this year the best opportunity to to show up and 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 make sure that they they get the best experience that they have their, their last year in this, in this program. And, and that's been our, our entire focus. And we know what everybody else is talking about, the expectations from everyone. And, and one thing I want to do is I want to match all the expectations that our fans have for us and make them happy. But at the same time, my focus is going to be on these young men that have given so much to the program that, that uh, you know, we focus on the, the one, one game at a time, one week at a time. I think it's important that we do that. But we're also not blind to the fact that we have a full schedule. We can see who's who's lined up there. We also have a, a vision of what's what's ahead in the next year. But uh, we will do better for ourselves, uh, just focusing on the day to day. And I, and I know you, it's it's a, a cliche thing to say, but uh, that has to be our focus. And there's a lot of other things that we can improve on and we can work on. Everyone's going to judge us according to how many games we win and what our, our record looks like. Um, I need to make sure that the focus isn't completely just on that, that we find ways to improve in, in, in different areas as a team and as individuals. And that, that, that means off the field, in the classroom, as, as our, in our roles, as, in, in our families, as, as, uh, as sons and brothers and friends. I, I think all that stuff matters the most, and it will have a direct cor- correlation to how we perform on the field. You know, I do appreciate that response because the fact of the matter is there is a full schedule, and it's a tough schedule. It's a full schedule. But, yeah, you have to get a little better every single day. You know, let me ask you about before you go, Jaron Hall. He's back at quarterback, and your coaching staff has talked about the fact that his control of the offense is even better now than it was a year ago. From a coach's perspective, how much does it change everything when you know you've got a quarterback that you have faith can make the right calls at the line of scrimmage and make the right changes? How much confidence does that give you? Gives me a lot of confidence. Jaron's been an amazing leader for us, and and. Uh, letting him feel like this is his offense, this is his team. Uh, I, I really like our quarterback room, but uh, I think Aaron Roderick's done an amazing job with with that group and 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 the mentoring mentoring that he's been able to do with Jaron, but also allowing Jaron to feel like this is his his baby, right? And 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 this is his his time, his energy, the stuff that we can uh, call plays that are that are, are really. Um, basically going towards his strengths. And I, I think he, it gives him an opportunity now for him to think, okay, how can he think of himself as a high-level quarterback, which means putting himself in the best position to be available every game. And, 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 and we saw that transition with Zach Wilson making the better decisions and, and trying to stay healthier in, during the season. I, I think Jaron's done a great job with that, making great decisions uh, on the field uh, in, in terms of uh, where to put himself in, in, at risk and, and what risks to take with the ball. And, and uh, I think we have a lot of trust in, in his decision-making process. And he has an individual dis- um, 
responsibility to be available for us as a team. And I think he's taking that to heart, looking at the decisions that he's making, even in the way that he handles the ball and dishes out the ball, but also when he takes chances of being able to tuck it and go. Uh, I think we can trust him going into this this season, and um, it's going to be a lot of fun. I, I can't wait to see him see him go. So you're hanging out with some friends. You're putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. Nah, you got this. You live nearby. You can make it home just fine. It's not that big of a deal. I mean, what are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up. You lose your license, you lose your job, you total your car, you kill somebody. Everybody knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still does not stop everybody from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe. Plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or somebody else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. Paid for by NHTSA. Why don't we talk Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold for one more moment. We talked about that yesterday. The fact that that was the most anti-climactic quarterback competition ever. It just was. Regardless of how Matt Rule tries to spin that, regardless of what the two quarterbacks involved want to say about that, that quote, alleged competition ended before it even started. The second the Panthers made that deal for Baker Mayfield, we all knew he was QB1. It was just a matter of them negotiating a deal with the Browns and trying to get the Browns to pick up the bulk of the salary. But the second they got that done, that was it. There was no competition. No matter what they tried to put out there, the charade they put on, we knew the second that deal got done that Baker was QB1. So no, that was not a real quarterback competition. But I'll tell you one that is real. I will give you a quarterback competition that is very real. Real horrible. Real lame. The one that Seattle is staging. The lamest, saddest quarterback competition ever is still actually happening. Hey, Seattle. Hey, Seattle. Hey, Seattle. I left and now you have the lamest quarterback competition Hawks. ever. Yo, Hawks. I'm going to see y'all in the morning. Good night. I'll see you all never again. You losers can do what you do. I'm up out of here. I'll see y'all in the morning. I'll see you never again, Seattle, until I come to punch you in the face, kick you in the junk. Speaking of junk. Now, anyway, I'm talking about the Seahawks who just lined their organization with C4 this offseason. Then they sprayed the building down with kerosene and hit the detonator. Not only did they run Russ out of town, they didn't really even bother coming up with a succession plan, a replacement plan. In fact, it kind of reminds me of the hood trying to replace Josh McDaniels in New England. If your succession plan or your offensive coaching plan is to have fat Patricia 
and Joe Judge, then you do not have a coaching plan or a succession plan or an offensive plan. And the Seahawks are basically turning to Fat Patricia and Joe Judge as their quarterbacks. Geno Smith versus Drew Locke is not exciting. It's not promising. It's nothing. It's not anything except two bad quarterbacks competing to start for a crappy team. Because somebody has to get the gig, and those somehow are the only options. At least we were supposed to have a decision on the saddest quarterback competition ever before Friday's preseason finale in Dallas. However, that was before the gum murderer got in front of the media yesterday and said that he will not actually have an answer by the end of the week. What he said was, quote, we're going to use all the time we need, except he said it much faster while murdering gum in the first degree. I mean, how hard can this decision be? How hard of a decision like that can that possibly be? Be like the new Dodger dog versus the Angel Stadium Hoffy. They're both inedible, so there really isn't that much of a difference. You might as well flip the coin or just toss them both in the trash where they belong. More time is not going to make either of those dogs even more appealing. More time is not going to make either one of those dogs actually hunt. Because some dogs just don't hunt. And nothing's going to make either of those dogs more appealing. I can give you all the time in the world, gum murderer. Neither one of those dogs will ever be more appealing. But apparently the dude who talks a million miles an hour makes his QB decisions at a toddler's crawling pace and he says he needs all the time he can because get this and I'm not making this up he needs more time because his options are too good he wants you to believe that he said that it sounds insane I know and you know why it sounds insane because it is insane but let the man himself The murderer himself, gum murderer. Let him clear it up because he's the one who's alleging it. This freaking speed talking gum murderer. You know, I somehow forgot that we need forensic analysis to figure out what the hell that guy's saying. Alvi, I can't make sense of that, but I know you can. Can you please slow that down? Slow that way the hell down, like to maybe quarter speed, so we can try that again, so we can make some sense of what this guy is trying to say? Call them. I want to let the guys battle with them. Call it, but I'm, I want to call it, but I'm, I want to let the guys battle and let them show you know, where they are and let us get as much information as possible. Um, Gino's done a really good job of being in that position. Uh, his voice is solid. Uh, he's, he's on point all the time. He's been very consistent with his work, all of that. And Drew has been really sharp, you know, so what, you know, it's, I know it's not supposed to be a good situation when you have two quarterbacks. It means you don't have one as the old saying, you know, but I don't know that we might have two ones. We'll see what happens. Man, they had to put that guy in jail for that alone. 
well, first for murdering gum in the first degree, but then secondly for actually trying to sell that to us. I mean, dude, stop. Stop it. Spit out your gum. Swallow your gum. Stick it under the desk. Put it in somebody's hair. Stick it on Ritz's bald head. Just take a seat and settle the hell down, old man. You did not just say, you know the old saying, when you have two quarterbacks, really you don't have one, except that in this case, we have two ones. You did not just say that, unless you mean you have two ones that are not in the top 50 in the league. There's nobody on the face of the earth that thinks you have even one one gum murderer. At least he admits he's aware of the old saying that if you don't have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. Except you have two quarterbacks, two crappy quarterbacks. So if you have two crappy quarterbacks, then what you really have is one bag of excrement. You don't have two ones, speed talk racer. You have two zeros. We might have two ones. And somehow it gets even worse because when asked if there's a possibility that both quarterbacks could wind up playing this year, you know, like at once, like having a two-quarterback system, this was the gum assassin's answer. Would you ever consider playing two quarterbacks at once? That can happen. Yeah, that can happen. That can happen. That can happen. Yeah, that can happen. Pigs can fly. I could develop a vert of 50. I could suddenly become six foot three and one a three nine forty. That could happen. Yet yeah, that. Hey twelves, to quote my old man back in the day, when he made me do something that I did not want to do, he'd go all chowed on my ass and always chase that with, how's that grab you? He'd give me something that he knew I didn't want to do, that I had no choice. And I'd kind of react like I had no choice and I didn't want to do it. And then he'd hit me between the eyes with, yo, how's that grab you, kid? And then back then I was stupid enough to say, is that a question? How's that grab me? It sucks, dad. That's how. And then he'd hit me with, oh, okay. So now you're going to do that. You're going to do that. And then insert something else that sucks even more. So yes, 12s, how's that grab you? Because not only do you have... Either Geno Smith or Drew Locke as your quarterback. You might have Geno Smith and Drew Locke as your quarterback. In other words, a two-quarterback system. Are we for real? I mean, dude, that is just insane. Even for the gum murderer. Even he has to know that that can't possibly work. Unless the objective is to not win games. And then it's going to work really, really well. Because to every person not named Peter Carroll, that is still incredibly obvious that Peter Carroll's best option at quarterback is not on his roster, but on the 49ers roster, unless, of course, they don't want to win. If the Seahawks are not interested because they want to tank, I get it. Go ahead and tank. But stop insulting our intelligence while you're doing that. Stop lying to us and yourself by telling us that you haven't made up your decision yet because you have two number ones. When in reality, you have two dudes that nobody else wants. That right there, that no decision right there, is the saddest quarterback competition ever. There is no right decision. But there is a wrong decision. 
there is a wrong decision, and the wrong decision is not making a choice between the two, but actually trying to play both. It's almost like the guy's saying, hey, man, you're asking me to decide between Geno Smith and Drew Locke. I have to decide between those two chumps? I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm not going to decide because you can't. How do you choose the lesser of those two evils? I'll just play both of them. How about that? We'll see what happens. Hey, Pete, do me a favor. Stop committing felony assault on Bubble Yum. Stop lying about the worst quarterback competition ever. We are not nearly as dumb as you sound right now. How dumb do we look? We might have two ones. And can you imagine what his guys in his own locker room must think? You know how it is at the start of the year when, in fact, Kalani Sataki just said it, didn't he? Like, nobody's lost yet. Maybe he didn't, but coaches always say that. Players always say that. Nobody's lost yet. Nobody's lost yet. Except there's a number of teams in the NFL that know they have no shot. I don't care what they say. I do not care what they say. I don't care how much money they make. I don't care that it's the lifestyle. I don't care that they're living the dream. There are a number of teams in the NFL that go into a long, grueling, physically demanding season knowing they don't have a chance. They just don't. The Seahawks would be one of those teams. I would love to know what the guys who know. The guys who really know in that locker room think when they hear Peter up there running his mouth a million miles a mile an hour saying, oh, we have two number ones. We might have two ones. The reason I'm not decided yet is because, well, it's impossible to decide. We have two ones. Dude, stop acting like you're talking about you have Joe Montana and Steve Young and you can't decide. You know, we could talk about how complicated other banks make it to redeem credit card rewards, like how they require minimums and worse yet, how their rewards flat out expire. Or we could talk about how with Discover, you can redeem rewards for cash in any amount at any time. I mean, you want to talk about amazing. And now that we've talked about that, let's get back to the daily jungle. You know, the stuff that we talk about here daily. Learn more at discover.com slash redeem rewards. Terms apply. He is Andy Roddick. Andy, it's been a while. It's good to have you on the show. How are you? How you doing? Good, dude. How about you? How are things? Everything everything is uh, better than I deserve. Everything, everything is great. Good. Love to hear it. Uh, so listen, last night you were back on the court at the National Tennis Center facing <laughs> James Blake in the Legends match. I got to know, how did that go for you and how did it feel to be on that court once again? Uh, I suck now just in, in, in a moment of pure transparency. I'm not very good anymore, but I certainly enjoyed the opportunity. I, I love James. Kim Kleisters is with us. Um, you know, it's, it's amazing to me that they still let me come back and participate in these things. But uh, we, we had a great time. The USTA did a great job uh, creating Fan Week free of charge for matches like ours and all the qualifying matches, et cetera. I think it's, uh, I think it's a real good deal they got going. Andy, you might suck at tennis. I don't believe that, but you don't suck at life. I love the energy. <laughs> I love the energy. It's great to have you back. Let me ask you something. You know, back when you were young, you were growing up and you were watching the U.S. Open. You loved it. Then you win the U.S. Open junior title. Three years after that, you win the actual U.S. Open, and that title included a semifinal match, an unforgettable match. You were down two sets to none. You faced a break point in the tiebreaker. You come all the way back to win. What do you remember about that match and the response from the crowd that night? Yeah, it was um, the, the crowd was in a weird place because Andre had lost in the semis uh, to Ferrero uh, before our match. And then I quickly got down two sets. So a lot of the energy had been taken out for the, the U.S. crowd. And then being able to kind of sneak through that third set, um, I, I actually liked my fitness at that point. Uh, not anymore, but um, 
you know, the crowd really got behind me. That might've been my first experience of the crowd kind of dragging me across the finish line and maybe a lesson in how to use the crowd when you do have it. Um, you know, and, and then I was able to turn it around quickly. Um, I, I'm not sure I would have had the crowd behind me had Andre won, but I was happy to have their, uh, their support since I was playing Ferrero in the final. That is really interesting. And I would imagine when you started to work with Jimmy Connors a few years later, nobody understood what it was yeah. like to have the crowd behind them like Connors. Nobody used the crowd like Connors. And he really quickly, I got to pick my spots, but you know, the way American tennis used to be, there was such great, great talent. That's kind of a beaten down topic. But you mentioned Andre. As I look back on this over the course of my career, Andre, I don't play favorites, but Andre was always one of my favorite athletes and one of my favorite guys to talk to. Such an enigma and so interesting. In terms of a pure player and what this guy can do when he was on, who, in, you know, I mean, I'm talking about in terms of his return to serve, that will, that personality. Who would you compare him to? Was there anybody like him? I don't think so because it, it was weird. It, it was this mix of talent, charisma, but also honesty about what he wasn't. Um, I, I thought his, his book that he wrote was maybe one of my favorite sports books of all time because they normally fall into two categories, right? You're either bagging on other people and, and, and kind of selling out other people, or it's like a greatest hits album of how awesome you were. And Andre's was raw. It was, uh, he, he admitted his faults. Uh, he celebrated his wins. Um, you feel like you got to, like my, my wife read the book and I was still in the middle of my career. And she goes, I feel like I understand you better from his explanations of his uh, career and what the things he felt throughout it. And I think that was a, a pretty big compliment to Andre. He was a mentor to me and I'm, I, I'm happy that I saw that the, the, the way he was able to operate, whether it was in uh, a, a corporate environment when we were doing an exhibition somewhere um, you know, and I got to see the good Andre too, uh, you know, the, the, I, I call it 2.0, um, kind of after, uh, some of the pitfalls that he had had. So I, I was always thankful to, uh, to have a, a, a front row seat to, to the Andre show. Andy, I so appreciate that response. I, I would agree with you. I think that it's tough to say because I've read you know countless sports books over the course of my life and my career. It might be the single best sports book I've yeah. ever read. It's an amazing, amazing book. I agree with you. Let me ask you something. As somebody who's a Hall of Famer, somebody who loves the sport, what's it like to approach this tournament knowing that every single match might be Serena Williams' last match? Yeah, well, first, I'm I'm thankful to her uh, for announcing it ahead of time, right, and giving us a, a, a chance to uh, celebrate her career. Um, listen, we've we've all uh, done good things, we've all done bad things, we've behaved well, we've behaved badly, but you know, in the aggregate, you know, coming from Compton, winning 23 slams, uh, just how dynamic she is, uh, you know, what a competitor. It's just. I'm glad that we all uh, can participate in the drama of this every match potentially being her last. I hope that with the the circus that's going to go on, because I've never talked less about the people that uh, that might actually win the tournament than I have this year. Right? It's the Serena show. It's going to be the Serena show, and rightfully so, as long as she's in the tournament. Um, I hope she can give us another thrill. I, I really do. I, I I don't know that her form. Uh, coming in has lended itself to having uh, super high expectations. But listen, I've, 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 I've bet against Serena on, on shows before and look like a dummy. So I hope I'm a dummy again. Andy Roddick joining us. I wish we had more time, but let me ask you before you go, you're working with IBM, the head of the U.S. Open. Can you lay that out for me exactly? What are you doing for those folks? 
Yeah, so IBM's had a relationship with the USTA and the US Open for for 30 years, which uh, is an eternity for most things, but especially in an, an industry that's kind of known for disruption. And uh, the short version is we've always known if you give numbers to IBM, they're going to give you a solution of some sort and make it very clear. Uh, one thing they're doing with AI and, and Watson is now uh, they can listen to your show, Jim. And the more you mention someone, they can uh, they take that uh, in, into their analytics. Uh, they are able to digest the surrounding words that are most associated with certain players and kind of spit out uh, uh an opinion that has uh, a recency bias, which is necessary in tennis because, you know, a 52 week ranking doesn't tell the story of the last two months, right? So momentum matters. And so the, the power index that IBM has created is great for the fan experience uh, on the app, on the website, uh, check it out. Uh, they, they, they do a real great job of uh, really distilling down what we should be looking for. Spoken like the true former world number one, Andy. Great to get caught up. Wish we had more time, but I'm going to take what we got. It's great to have you on the show, my man. Thanks so much, Andy. All right. appreciate you. Thank you. Micah Hyde is my guest. Micah, so good to have you back. How are you? I'm good, Jim. How you doing, man? Good, good, Micah. Thanks so much. I'm going to get right to it. You said, quote, football is a game you don't play for 30 years, so I have the urgency now, end of quote. Micah, looking at you and knowing you a little bit, you've always had that urgency, a great sense of urgency. Were you able to find even another gear? Is there even greater urgency now than ever before? Uh, yeah. You know, I, I definitely you know, took this offseason to uh, – you know, to get my, my body back, get my mind back. Um, started training camp. You know, I was excited, still very, very excited, and just trying to, you know, get better each and every day. Um, you know, and, and I know this is this is training camp where, you know, you're going, you're going against your guys. So, um, you know, you kind of got to take it easy. But um, the urgency is definitely there, and I'm excited for week one. So, Mike, I understand the need to get your body back. you got to recover. You have to get your body back. But when you talk about getting your mind back, getting it back from what? What kind of mental work did you do? Oh, I don't think people understand the uh, the mental grind of each and every week that you gotta you gotta have um, to play in this league and to play well. You know, it's one thing to to go out there, and, you know, play and study and all that type of stuff, but to study and really have that mindset each and every week that you're gonna go out there. And, you know, you're gonna play smart, you're gonna play physical, and you're gonna play fast. And I think that, you know, the the later I, the more I've been in this league and the later I've gotten in my career, um, you know, I think that my my mentality has grown um, so that each and every week I'm able to flush the previous week move on to the next week and, and really dive into to what that team is doing. And then, you know, towards the end of the week, obviously I know what the game plan is. And then from there, it's been, you know, my mentality of just going out there for, for, for a fight. You know, it's, it's a war out there. Michael Hyde joining us. I hate to butcher this, but I remember Howie Long said this years and years ago, Michael, like you've got these two elevators, one's going up, one's coming down, and the one elevator that's going up is like when you're young, you've got all this crazy physical ability, but you don't have the mental knowledge, and then ultimately as you get older, you learn more, and mentally you get better, but physically you can't do what you used to be able to do. You're looking for that one perfect point in time where the elevators meet at the same exact time. If I didn't butcher Mm -hmm. that, is that pretty much what we're talking about? And do you feel like you're at that point? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I think you 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 said it good. Um, I, you know, I'm I, I'm a little uh, I'm very competitive, so I feel like I'm I'm at that point. Um, I feel like I'm me- mentally and physically. Obviously, you know, I don't I don't wake up in the morning and and able to bounce around like I'm 23. But um, you know, after getting in the hot tub and 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 getting loosened up a little bit, um, you know, I can hop on that field and and get going. So 
yeah, I feel like I'm at that point. Michael Hyde is joining us for a few more moments. Michael, the chemistry on this team obviously is amazing. The culture is amazing. I want to ask you about something really difficult. Dawson Knox has returned to the team after spending time away in the wake of the death of his younger brother, Luke. As mm-hmm. a team, how do you rally around him and try to support him at this time? Because very clearly that's not in the playbook. Yeah, I mean, everyone was just, you know, extremely sad to, to hear the news. And, um, you know, just just heartbreaking. Um, and all we can do is just rally around him, like you said, and just show him love. Um, you know, we, we love Dawson around here. He's, he's a big part of our defense, or I'm sorry, a, a part of our team. And, and just the way he's able to, to come here every single day and um, just be himself, you know, we're just, like I said, just rallying around him. Um, just sad, sad, sad news, like I said. And, um, you know, obviously, you know, myself being a parent now, it, you know, it just hits different. Um, it's just it's just really sad. And like I said, we just show love to Dawson. Right. Michael Hyde joining us. Michael, knowing our conversations over the past, I kind of know how you think to a certain extent. And by that, I mean you're not going to spend a lot of time thinking about preseason expectations. At the same time, you're also very honest. If we're being really honest, is this the best roster that you have played with since you arrived with Buffalo? And then what does that mean for this season? Uh, I think that top to bottom, um, you know, from from the – Young guys to the older guys, the experience to the talent. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess on paper you can you can you know definitely say that, but um, you know I think you'd be a fool uh, to think that that automatically wins a Super Bowl or wins you a Super Bowl. That's that's definitely not the case. Um, it's kind of like what I just talked about that mindset. You got to have it each and every week, or else you know this you're gonna get you're you're gonna get embarrassed on Sunday or Monday or whatever whatever day you're playing. Um so you know, you could talk about on paper as much as you want, but you gotta understand that each and every day you gotta put in that work, whether if it's practice or, or the game field. Um so all that paper you know won't mean anything. So Michael, you and I spoke back in May about the team's acquisition of Von Miller. I gotta ask you this. Uh-huh. When you have and now you've spent some time with him in camp, I'm sure nothing you've seen surprised you, but when you've got a force like him coming off the edge how much does that impact what you and Jordan Poyer can do in the secondary? I love it. I love it. The ball has to come out. Um, and I think that the pressure on the quarterback is, is something that is, is a DB's best friend. Um, and it's something that we've been, uh, we've been preaching around here for a long time. And so, you know, to get Vaughn uh, coming off that edge, he's working his pass, his pass rush, his moves. Um, it's just like, it's like poetry in motion. Um, you know, I'm sometimes I get caught in the back end, just watching him just, you know, make moves on the tackles and, and, and get to the quarterback so quick. So, you know, we understand that that ball has to come out and, uh, you know, it's going to be a huge part of our defense this year. Micah Hyde, my guest. Listen, when he comes in, that's not somebody you have to worry about in terms of culture. But as you and I have also talked about, you are one of the keepers of the culture in that locker room. You were part of changing everything in Buffalo when you arrived and since. And you got to keep that going. How do you pass that culture on to the younger players when they arrive? Well, I think coming here in, in 2017 um, and coming here with Sean and, you know, him, you know, changing the culture and kind of be one of the guys with, with Poe and, and even back then the, the Kyle Williams, Lorenzo Alexander, um, the Pat DeMarco, the Steve Hauska, um, you know, those type of guys that, that came in with me and were already here, you know, they kind of developed into, you know, changing this culture altogether. And, you know, obviously guys like Poe and myself are still here um, trying to relay that message. So it comes to young guys. You know, we just tell them when they get here, just follow suit. Um, just listen, um, you know, see what we're doing and, and go from there. And so I think that, you know, throughout these last couple of years, we've developed the system. Um, you know, whether if it's after practice, you know, clock hits zero, you know, coach, we stretch, coach brings it up. 
Um, and then we do extra stuff. You know, we, we go over there, we hit the bag, we do ball drills, we do type of stuff. Our practice isn't over yet. And I think that the, the young guys are kind of, you know, developing, developing that sense. And, you know, um, you know, we got to do more. And so that's where, you know, this organi- organization has gotten to. It's not just do the bare minimum. We want to do extra because we know that's going to help us out, you know, come game day. Really quickly. So the thing about being there, the grind, at least the payoff is there are legendary turkey burgers, right? Mm, How many yes. turkey? What's your record for turkey burgers at that camp per day? Well, I didn't. I didn't have the record by any means. I, I know some guys were up in the up in the double digits within like day five. Uh, it was it was pretty impressive. I I think I might have gotten to like ten. Ten. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to. I, I probably got to ten because uh, I mean you have them for lunch, dinner, and even snack at night. So you're probably going to hit it a couple times a day. Um, I, for you know, first couple of days, and then there I was hitting some singles, and I think for the day we were leaving, I probably hit two. You know, so I was probably about, I was probably at about around ten. It was, and then turkey burgers up there or something else. So you can't duplicate it down here in, in Buffalo. He won Smack Off twenty eight. We go to Green Bay right now. Caleb, what's up, champ? My brother in cheese. What is up, man? What's up, dude? How you doing? I'm doing great. Listen, uh, the summer of Caleb is coming to an end, but I just want to say one last time. What an honor it was to be crowned SmackOff champion. I started listening to this show when I was 20. I used to idolize guys like I Frady, Doc Mike, Shawnee. Now I'm in my mid-30s, and I have a green jacket just like they do. Hopefully I don't end up like Andy Roddick with just the one title. But either way, it's been a storybook. So, Jim, I thank you. But now we move on to the regular season, and I look forward to be a more regular contributor to the program. But the big news for me this past Saturday – I was a guest of Cruz Pedregon at the NHRA Lucas Oil Nationals out in Brainerd, Minnesota. Now, I need to preface this by saying I'm not a car guy, okay? I can change a tire, and that's about it. My toolbox is a thin strip of plastic with the word MasterCard on it, okay? I'm the last person who would ever go to one of these events, not because of any bias against it, but it's just not my element. But whatever my expectations were, they were blown out of the solar system. First, I need to shout out Cruz's team manager, Caleb, for hooking me up with the ticket and the wristband. But then Cruz himself was awesome. The whole afternoon combined, I probably got close to an hour of one-on-one time with him to chat about the jungle, his career, his life. So that was cool. Then he gave me the two of his people, and I want to shout them out specifically. Their names are Kelly and Toby. Forget the red carpet. They rolled out colors of carpet for me I didn't even know existed. Both of them were incredible. At one point, as Cruz was getting ready for his qualifying run, his guy Toby says to me, hey, Caleb, let's go down to the starting line and watch the race from behind the car. And I remember looking at him like, what did you just say? So he takes me down there. And clones, if you go to my Twitter handle, at Caleb in Green Bay, I pinned the video to the top of my page. Go check that out. First of all, it's loud as hell. But then I don't know if people are aware of this. These cars go from zero to 330 in less than four seconds. Do you have any idea the kind of thrust you need to go that fast? If Cruz pointed his rig up instead of out, he could make it to Jupiter, I swear to God. And the nitro fumes, dude, I'm not exaggerating. I couldn't taste food for a day and a half, which we all know the challenge that presents to yours truly. Then they light up the Christmas tree. I'm standing not 10 feet behind this literal rocket ship, Cruz hits the accelerator, and he just vanishes. It was unbelievable. I wouldn't have it any other way. And to have my name on the car the whole time was another level entirely. But then, just as impressive to me, we all get back to the pit area, and Cruz's team of about seven or eight guys start ripping apart the car piece by piece. The precision, the speed, the professionalism. 
I've never seen anything like it. Was able to get a couple minutes alone with the mechanics later in the day. They had every right to say, shut up, fat boy. Who are you? Leave us alone. We're busy. But they were super cool, down to earth, cracking jokes, answered my questions. Jim, I walked away from the whole experience so, so impressed. I know that Cruz has been trying to get you to go out to see him from one Wisconsinite to another. You have to make that happen. You won't regret it. And clones, I'm telling you, Get out to one of these events, man. They're amazing. I was told that their Super Bowl is not this weekend, but next weekend in Indianapolis. So get out there and show our guys some support. Romy, thank you for the vine as always. Look for me a little more often this year, and I'll see you soon. My on man. My man. On Wisconsin. Rack him. That is a champ who is so worthy of wearing that crown. Caleb is all class. All class. James in Portland. We go there right now. James, my man. What's up? Jimmy, Mr. Radio Man. This is actually Sir Russell Wilson calling live from the bedroom. And I've made love in front of rats. But first, props to a fellow gigolo of the jungle, Alvin Deloro. Happy K to the Y day, brother. Mr. Pete Carroll, you chew through gum like I chew through lingerie. While your Seattle Seahawks are in complete quarterback turmoil, I'm just having lots of sex in Denver. Geno Smith and Drew Locke, you suck so bad I wouldn't even let you in my bedroom. But I'll tell you who I would let in my bedroom, Alvy. Because while all y'all are hating the dog days of summer, Alvy and I are just enjoying the doggy style days of summer. War every day is Wednesday in the Mile High City. Come on! James in Portland. Good night now!